Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. It is a season preview. We've been on for about 310 years without any proper professional football. And this weekend, something's happening. We play the Tennessee Titans. We shall look ahead to that. I am Simon Clancy along with my colleagues and good friends Chris Kaufman and Alfredo Artiaga. Evening, gentlemen. Evening. Evening. Excited about the game? Ah, oh, ecstatic. I can't, I, I'm, I can't hold back my excitement. You sound I'm about thrilled. as excited. Yeah, I'm thrilled too. He sounds about as excited as being yeah. run over by a paladin truck. I'm exhausted. Um, I'm, exhausted. Paladin. I'm exhausted by this offseason. It's finally coming yeah. to an end, and all the all the – the feces that they've piled upon our football team come to an end on Sunday as they actually start playing games and we get to see how good or not good they are. That Paladin reference will make sense a bit later on, dear listener, as we uh, get to uh, have a bit of fun. Um, I just want to start on a slightly down note, actually. My friend died today. She was 40 and she died of breast cancer. Uh, and she left a, a good friend of mine. Uh, and a young son called Freddie, and she had terminal cancer, and she tweeted on Monday that she only had days left to live, and then this morning she died. Uh, so I don't really know why I'm bringing this up, other than I suppose it's good to talk. Um, she presented for the BBC. She made a very popular podcast about cancer, um, which is now number one in the iTunes charts, and she's kind of started a conversation around how people deal with death and cancer by being open and honest and and those sorts of things so i just wanted to take this opportunity to say godspeed rachel bland and thank you for the memories um anyway that was all taking it down a little bit but let's that's start life. off that's life it is let's start off with a uh, a little reflection before we get to the professional game of the collegiate game because okay. it was a very interesting start to the weekend <laughs> exactly very interesting start to the weekend of the opening weekend of the season in college football land I am a diehard Florida State fan. Alfredo is a diehard University of Miami fan. And Christopher is a fan of the University of South Florida. One of us left the weekend very happy. Two of us left the weekend very distressed. <laughs> that would be me and Alf. Yes. Because, <laughs> because on Sunday night in Dallas and on Monday night in Tallahassee, Miami and Florida State laid large turds all over the college football landscape. We are still in boarding, frankly, aren't we? Whilst Chris sits there in his jolly little, ooh, USF are the best team in the state of Florida now, aren't we? Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah, but... Anyway. Isn't, isn't, it, isn't it UCF, the defending national champions, the best team in the state of Florida? Yeah, but, you know, we beat them a lot, so I think we can, Chris, we can just say... Yeah, but they have the trophy from last year. Well, let's I, be fair. And, they, and the parade. Yes. Well, where would we be without the parade? Let's be fair, Alf. We lost to LSU and to uh, and to Virginia, Virginia Tech, respectively. Yes. Chris's hey, that's team the luck of the draw. The, okay. Had the incredibly tough, the incredibly tough battle against the universe, the powerhouse. I mean, how are they not a Power Five team, by the way? The powerhouse that is the University of Elon. I mean, frankly. The University of Elon Musk would put up a better performance than Elon <laughs> put up against, uh, against USF. So, I mean, I don't know why we're sitting here. Well, that university making... would definitely have a more entertaining Twitter account. I would say that. Well, 
probably the Elon the Elon <laughs> College fighting Christian put up a heck of a fight against USF. I just want to say, what would Elon Musk's uh, team be known as? The submarines, um, the exploding the batteries, fighting the irrelevant douchebags, <laughs> and it. It, it I like mine. The exploding of, batteries is it's a good name. Okay, it led us to think of some of the best names of collegiate teams. I have a list in front of me, but oh, you, you have a good one. Boys, I've got I've got some I've got some good ones here. Have you boys got any that stand out for you before I get to said list? Wow. The, well, the the Western Kentucky. All I know is that the Western Kentucky guy, you know, looks like a red grimace. Or I always thought, you know, if 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 that maybe that's what a hemorrhoid looks like. I don't know <laughs> that the Western Kentucky. <laughs> Hilltopper, dude. I mean, I've always liked the horned frogs. They should, they should just be called the hemorrhoids, the Western <laughs> Kentucky. With, a, with apologies to our listeners in Western Kentucky, you will now forever be known as the hemorrhoids, the <laughs> boil on the ass of college football. That's what you are. How about these? These are some, some, some nicknames that deserve to be mentioned. The University of Alaska at Fairbanks. They are known as the Nanooks. I have no idea what Nanook oh, is, but man. it's a nice. Wow. The University of California, Santa Cruz. They're the banana slugs. What the fuck oh, is a course. banana slug? And you know wow. where they were, where My they wife were made would famous? That. You know where they were made yeah, famous, not. Simon? Go on. Okay, the banana slugs. That nickname was made famous because it was on a t-shirt in what should have won Best Picture, Pulp Fiction. It was, oh, a, t-shirt. Okay. It was a t-shirt that John Travolta was wearing at the end, and it said banana slugs. Everybody thought nice. it was a joke, yeah. but it's actually a college the University of California, Irvine, are known as the Anteaters. Wow. <laughs> and Ant- two of my favorites. Two of my favorites here. I'm the hoping Arkansas one of them Tech. is the Nudabrinks. It's not, alas. The Arkansas Tech Wonder Boys, which is a great name. <laughs> oh, yeah. What the fuck are you going to do about it? Wasn't and that a Stets- terrible movie about some criminals or something? It was a yeah, Wonder Boys. Yeah, maybe. The Stetson University Mad Hatters. I mean, that's a great oh, name. Yes. yes. And what... And, and um, the former LSU coach, the Hat himself, should be head coach at the Stetson University. Yes, of I course. Mean, they are well, missing a, a perfect. Where is he now? Les, actually, Les Miles. They are missing a perfect marketing opportunity. The St. Louis University. What is a Billiken? I have no idea what the hell that is. Okay, a I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, a devoted follower a, of Brian Billick. Here's a, <laughs> Christ, that could be the, that, That's a school of none. And the <laughs> North Carolina School of Arts. Fighting pickles. Uh, wow. <laughs> now that's, in- that's intimidating. Like, who are you playing Imagine this week? what? Man, we're playing uh, the do they have pickles. a mascot named Pickle Rick? <laughs> except, except it's only it's only not intimidating if you attend Scottsdale Community College, for they are known as the artichokes. You don't want to get in, the, you don't want to be the rest when the artichokes face the fighting pickles. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they always blow it at the end of the game. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. So there you go. There's a few. Um, the Ohio Wesleyan, they're known as the Battling Bishops, which over here has got some serious homoerotic connotations. Slightly different over there. That would be like being called over here or over there. They would be known as the Ohio Wesleyan Little Trumpets. And I'm just going to leave that there. Okay. And if you're a long-term listener, long-time listener of this podcast, Battling you'll know exactly, exactly. You will know exactly what we're talking about. But there, oh boy. there's a few. I mean, you can, you can. Uh, we are all on social media, and you can get us at three yards per carry if you can come up with some, some uh, better names than that. I've just discovered the Shamin, the University of Shaminard, are known as the Silver Swords. The oh, 
Silver Swords. It's a nice sword. name. Yeah, Silver Swords. Continuing on with the uh, phallic theme. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Who knew? Anyway, <laughs> they are all better than the fucking Florida State Seminoles and the <laughs> shitty Miami Hurricanes. Hey, why are you guys who, the fucking Florida State Seminoles and we're the shitty Miami Hurricanes? Because we're still better than you. Oh, really? That's racist. On what planet and, is that possible? I mean, every planet. Okay, you do understand that Miami's going to beat FSU by like eight touchdowns this year, right? Of course you are. Like you did like last year and the year before. And well, they, they nine, did, uh, you did beat FSU last year. You know? Let's yeah, not forget. You, that was cheating, Where was the man. turnover chain? The turnover chain, it, it broke. <laughs> it was nowhere it to be broke. found. I was at that watch party at Uncle Al's Sports Cafe in Sunrise. Well, yes. How was that? Uh, it's great. That, that place is great. It's brand new. It's on 135, 10035 Sunset Strip on the corner of Knob Hill. Go ahead and laugh. Knob <laughs> Hill. Ching, yeah. ching, Knob Hill. Yeah, and Sunrise Boulevard. Yeah, they're going to be doing a thing this year for the NFL. Like every Thursday and every Sunday, they're going to have drink specials. And on Thursdays, they're going to have $13 domestic buckets, which is five beers in a bucket. $13. How many this time, Alf? Wow. How many? You know what? I have the receipts. Hold on. Give it to me. Let me get the receipts. Oh, Christ, let him go through his wallet. And... If you hear this, these are the receipts. Okay. Got the receipt for the MRI he needed on his liver afterwards. Wow. I have three buckets. Whilst you're adding up, can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Is Uncle Al real? I have no oh, is, idea. Is there an Uncle Al? I have Come no idea. On. But they have, a, they have a great little patio, and the imported buckets are $18 each. And they're going to be giving away T-shirts every Thursday night. And on Sundays, at least this Sunday, they're going to be giving away a TV. And by the way, we gave away a TV at this watch party. And guess who won it? A Cavs fan. A Cavs fan. Yes. Listeners, can I just tell you something? Because in the little preamble that we had before setting up and pressing play on the podcast, I said to the boys, why don't you sing You Can Call Me Uncle Al by Simon and Garfunkel? To which both these morons went, the song's not called uh, You Can Call Me Uncle Al. It's called You Can Call Me Al. As if I didn't actually know that. I mean, I'm not a child, uh, and this is not my first musical rodeo, and yet these two believed that I thought You what Can would Call Me Al. What would a musical rodeo be like? Oh I don't God. know. It, but, but, it it but, would definitely... Could you it describe it in that like sort of pseudo bureaucratic British stuffy voice that you just did there? Yeah, it would definitely involve the Stetson University Mad House. <laughs> By the way, the count the count was three buckets. I have the receipt here. I'm gonna actually post it online so people you know don't think that I'm lying. Uh, so that's three I buckets. I feel like that's somewhere beers, there's but Ethan I think stole two beers from me, so I drank thirteen. That's, that's did you uh, put Did you put any bets on? Well, for that game? No, I did not. Yeah. No, I did not. But I did have some comp fritters oh, and grouper bites. Do you know what those things are? I mean, you're just saying words. They're not in any order I recognize. <laughs> okay. A C-O-N-C-H, a conch, is a snail that's inside of a shell uh, found in the Caribbean. It's called a conch. You know that, right? You've, heard, you've read Lord of the Flies. Uh, yes. Clearly not. But I live around <laughs> people from the Bahamas, and they call it conch. I tell you, you don't call me a cunk, mate. Get away with it. I'll come and slap your face. <laughs> tell uh, our listeners I'll about slap. our sponsor. Okay. You ready, listener? Because the NFL and NCAA seasons are upon us, and it's time to take your pigskin knowledge to the bank at BetDSI.com. BetDSI are celebrating 20 years online and have built an impeccable reputation for great service and fast payment for your winnings. They've got an excellent mobile interface so you can play, win, and get paid anytime, anywhere. 
To help you get started with some extra bang for your buck, BetDSI is offering double your money on your first deposit. That's right, deposit to start winning and get up to $2,500 free. Last week, we couldn't believe it was $2,500, but it's true. Double your money from the get-go. When it comes to football, BetDSI has every wager you could ever want or imagine. If it's happening in sports, BetDSI will put a line on it. You bet on the NFL, the NCAA, apart from Miami and FSU because you'll bet to lose, Major League Baseball, UFC, the Premier League, eSports. You could even bet on when the president will get impeached. You know you're ready to win. You can join BetDSI today using promo code YARDS101. That's YARDS101 to get in the action and get paid. So don't stand on the sidelines this season. Be in it to win it and enjoy the games that much more when you bet at betdsi.com. Boom. Right. Coming up, we shall preview week one of the NFL season. Actual football with your and our Miami Dolphins. First, this. Here at the Five Reasons Sports Network, we don't have the typical staff meetings where everybody is staring at the wall and the clock. We do them at bars, we do them at restaurants, and we do them at Soccer Zone Indoor. That's the corner of Miramar Parkway and Flamingo Road in Miramar. Beautiful new facility. And on Wednesday, September 12th, we have an indoor field from 730 to 9 p.m. It is a beautiful pitch, as my co-host Chris Whittingham would say. It's air-conditioned, no mosquitoes, so no complaining. And here's how you sign up for it. You've got to be a patron of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's really easy. Go to at Five Reasons Sports. That's the number five reason sports. And just go to the link in our bio. Click on that and sign up. It's $3 for September. We've lowered the price for September. Show up there at Soccer Zone Indoor. Again, 7.30 p.m. Wednesday the 12th, corner of Miramar Parkway and Flamingo, and just show up and just show us that you signed up, and you'll be eligible to make us look absolutely ridiculous on the soccer pitch. So look forward to seeing you at Soccer Zone Indoor, September 12th. And we're back. First, before we talk about the Titans game and get a preview in, we want to talk about the 53-man roster which was finalized uh, on final cut date this Saturday, September 1st. Of course, the Dolphins kept uh, trickling in more moves day after day, leading me to have to write postscript after postscript after postscript on the piece that I did for Dolphins Maven. Shout out. Um, You can find our analysis of the moves on there on Dolphins Maven. If you go to footballmaven.io slash dolphins, Uh, There's a three YPC corner piece uh, called Final Cuts, Locked and Loaded. And that, of course, is a uh, pet peeve of Alf's, the term Locked and Loaded. And uh, we'll let him tell you why. But (laughs) there are some surprises that happened. Uh, One of them being that they kept all three of the quarterbacks that were competing for, you know, for playing time or for um, for primary roles. Ryan Tannehill, of course, Brock Osweiler and David Fales both made it, though. A lot of fans were really upset by that. I really don't see the point in uh, in getting upset by that personally. Uh, and I said so in our piece. Um, I don't know what you guys think about it, but uh, the running backs, Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, Kalen Balaj, and Sonoris Perry were not a uh, surprise at all being kept on, but they have a teammate now in Brandon Bolden. And uh, Alf, I know you want to talk about him a little bit later. Tight ends, Mike Gesicki, Marquise Gray, Durham Smith and AJ Derby. I don't think any surprises there. We've kind of expected all four guys to end up making it. 
Although I will say that when they claimed um, they claimed Tanner McAvoy off of waivers from the Seattle Seahawks, or, or he might have been on waivers from the Saints. I know there was sort of a trickiness the Saints, there. Yeah. yeah. So the Seahawks put him on waivers first. The Saints claimed him and then cut him a couple of days later. The Dolphins took him. He's a six foot six inch, two hundred thirty pound guy that will remind you of Zach Miller, formerly the quarterback of University of Nebraska Omaha who uh, Adam Gase coached in Chicago as a tight end. Uh, this Tanner McAvoy is also a quarterback, bringing our total number of college quarterbacks on roster to seven uh, for those counting. Wide receivers, Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola, Jakeem Grant, and Devontae Parker. Again, not many surprises there. Uh, Tanner McAvoy, if you consider him a wide receiver, would make a sixth one. Um, I guess the biggest surprise there being Isaiah Ford uh, not making it onto the roster, but he is on the on the practice squad. On the offensive line, Laramie Tunsil, Josh Sitton, Daniel Gore, Jesse Davis, and Juwan James. They are your starting line. Sam Young was uh, was cut and then re-signed and cut and re-signed and then cut and re-signed or somewhere along the way. Uh, Ted Larson, Zach Stirrup, who I actually think might supplant Sam Young at some point. He was he was that good during the preseason. Uh, initially, Jake Brendel was looked like he was going to make it. Then he put on IR, IR and now uh, they were grabbed Travis Swanson and then promptly cut him. Uh, defensive line: Cameron Wake, Akeem Spence, Jordan Phillips, Robert Quinn, William Hayes, Vincent Taylor, Devon Godshaw, Charles Harris, and Andre Branch. No surprises there. Although I would have liked to see Jonathan Woodard uh, kept personally. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, along with Kendall Langford. Linebackers Kiko Alonso, Raekwon McMillan, Jerome Baker, Chase Allen, and Stephen Anthony. Um, and I think we're expecting another body there at some point, but yeah, he they're hasn't, short a guy. They're short yeah, one. He guy. hasn't. They haven't. He hasn't manifested yet. So no. uh, defensive backs: Xavier Howard, Rashad Jones, T.J. McDonald, Bobby McCain, Minka Fitzpatrick, Tory McTire, uh, who I think deserves his spot there. Maurice Smith at first, and then cut and put on practice squad. Walt Akins and Cornell Armstrong, the surprise, the surprise guy that made it. Uh, that we actually, well, we weren't surpri- surprised because we predicted it here. Um, and then, of course, the three special teams guys. I'm gonna li- gonna open this up to everybody. Uh, to uh, to first Alf, anybody on any position. Like, what surprised you? about these cuts what really stood out like is there something that you think is actually going to make a difference or is this just just cut date and these are all bottom of the roster guys anyway yeah most of this we expected uh what really surprised me was maurice smith being cut because i'm pretty certain that he can play in the nfl and if you look at our roster i guess you can say if minka fitzpatrick is going to play in the slot we might be short a single high type guy and we cut him, but we brought him back. So that's not really the surprise. The surprise to me is another guy who I think can absolutely play in the NFL, and that's Sonoris Perry. He seems to have competition because I am pretty certain that Brandon Bolden is a much better special teams player than Perry is. And if Rizzi has a say, then I would, I've always said to myself, and I've, and I've said it to you guys too, if you're going to have four running backs, your fourth running back better be a hell of a special teams player. And Brandon Bolden is. He also, 
he also might be a better running back than him. I mean, the last two years, he's averaged 4.9 yards a carry. I mean, his career average is, is 4.2 yards a carry. Yeah. I mean, he had 55 carries last uh, two years ago. Sorry, he had 67 carries last year. He was injured and had four carries the year before. He had, he had um, 63 carries again, 28, 55, 56. So he gets the ball. He's had the ball a fair amount in, you know, playing for the Patriots over the past, what, six seasons. I think he's probably a better you know, option as a as a running back than Perry is. Although Perry's well liked on the team, isn't he? I mean, you know, and he's played he played well the preseason. Um, you know, when he got his opportunity, he, he's he's done well. But I suspect if anybody goes, it may be Sonoris gets ousted for for Bolden. But you know, you have to wonder that we we seem a bit uneven at linebacker. We seem overmatched at at quarterback. Potentially, there might be one too many. It feels like they don't want to give up on AJ Derby, but you know, there's an extra tight end there that. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I was surprised by Maurice Smith as well because, you know, I'm glad that he's back and I'm glad he's on the practice squad. But you you think, and you made a great point, Alf, about that kind of single high guy. You know, if, if Minka gets hurt and if, you know, somebody else goes down or somebody gets, you know, a stinger or something, has to sit out a quarter or two, we're, we're not in great shape in that position all of a sudden. So we'll see. I wonder if Maurice was really that single high kind of guy, um, because that's not quite his history. His history at Georgia and at Alabama was more as a, a nickel slot guy and um, and kind of moving toward the safety position and with the Miami Dolphins. Some of the times when he really stood out were when he got to be closer to the line of scrimmage. And some of the times where I've seen him making some mistakes is where he was a little bit deeper as either a split safety or more of the single high guy. So I, I'm not, you know, he's on the practice squad, so we can't we can't complain that much. Uh, he's still here, uh, and presumably Miami will get first dibs on him if somebody comes uh, comes mm-hmm. after him trying to sign him. Uh, so it's not it's not that big of a deal to me. Um, I think the Brandon Bolden thing. The first thing I thought. Aside from special teams, and I know that this is he is a special teams uh, ace, and so Darren Rizzi had him targeted that way, I'm sure. But the first thing I thought is we're facing Deion Lewis this week, and Brandon Bolden, I don't know, uh, you know, he was teammates with Deion Lewis for a while. Um, I know he's not really that small, but he's always struck me as sort of a quicker, uh, you know, agile guy. Uh, I thought maybe they could uh, they could have Brandon Bolden, you know kind of prep them up a little bit off scout team uh, to face Deion Lewis and uh, and kind of know what what Deion Lewis would bring to the table when we go against him. Um, the same with Kenyon, obviously, and Derek Henry played together sure. in Alabama. Kenyon, you know, yeah, absolutely. Breaks. Kenyon and Derek. And they have, and, you know, we, we talk about this all the time, how big Kenyon Drake is when you really when you really get naked on him, right? And, yeah. and I know Derek Henry is a different animal altogether as far as the size goes, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. Um, so uh, there's a little bit of gamesmanship going on there. Luke Falk, when they claimed him, the quarterback formerly of Washington State, who uh, played all through training camp and preseason with the Tennessee Titans this year. I thought that was a little bit of gamesmanship as well, especially since they did not drop either Brock Osweiler or David Fales. So I think they are playing some gamesmanship with uh, with some of these claims with guys like Falk and Bolden. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. I think that the, they're going to, the, the message I take from it is they're going to keep churning this bottom and we're going to see a lot of it. Um, but what did you guys think particular? Cause this, this ended up being talked about and there's been a lot of narratives about it. 
they keep both Brock Osweiler and David Whale, David Fails. Is that is that a thing to you? Is that a thing you don't care about? Yeah, I wasn't really surprised because that's Adam Gase's position. He's the one who makes the decision concerning that position, so he wants to keep all three. I don't know why. I guess we do know why. He really does like David Fails, and I guess he thinks that Osweiler is ready in a pinch. If he is ready in a pinch, then, you know, we are pinched. But but then he was talking today. He was talking up Luke Falcon about how he was one of only three quarterbacks that they brought in before the draft. They loved the um, they loved his accuracy. They loved his intelligence. They loved his mm-hmm. football smarts. Uh, they loved how he got the ball out on time. His understanding of the offense. Gaze talked about how what a big fan of the um, what a big fan of the uh, of Mike Leach's offense he is. Um, mm-hmm. So you know it's interesting. It, it, I, I'm not I, to me. It's not cut and dried that that. These are the quarterbacks we're, you know, the quarterbacks that are currently here, as in the veteran quarterbacks, are the ones we're going to be going with. I think that fairly soon one of these two veteran guys is going to go, and Falk will will potentially end up being the third quarterback because it feels to me like Gaze has kind of found a kid that he liked pre-draft and that he thinks he can perhaps nurture and train up a little bit over, you know, the course of a, a couple of seasons or whatever. Well, you were on to him a while ago. Uh, give us the front page on Luke Falk. Yeah, I mean, um, I mentioned it a, a, a bit there, and I think he struggled a little bit as a as a senior. Uh, I thought he was much better as a junior. He comes from that air raid offense, uh, you know, that kind of wide open passing offense, big splits in terms of tackles, and you know, the the offensive line being much further apart than you'd expect to see if you haven't watched much of Wazoo. Um, he's accurate. He doesn't have a massive arm, but you know, he can make a number of throws to the perimeter and he certainly made more as a junior than he did as a senior. The concern is that he's not overly mobile. Uh, He doesn't have a rocket for an arm, certainly. Uh, And he got, I think we discussed this pre-draft and I I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think he was sacked 125 times in his college career, which is a frightening number. The the number 131 sticks out. Yeah, okay, maybe. Um, but which is a you know which is a frightening number. I, I, I like him. I think he's got upside. Um, I was fairly surprised that Tennessee that Tennessee jettisoned him. Mike Vrabel said this week actually, or in fact today in his media uh, conversations with the Miami media that actually uh, there there are going to be some things that he will change, some some verbiage, some game plan things that Falk was uh, was a party to before he left the Titans. That now you know he may well have passed on to the Dolphins. But I mean, I don't think he's going to be. Tua Tungavailoa or any of those kind of, you know, uh, Jake Fromm in terms of, you know, collegiate quarterbacks coming through. But I think he's got a little bit of upside that the Dolphins feel like they might want to work with. And one thing I just want to mention as well before we before we move on to the kind of the, the actual preview is, and Chris did mention at the top, but a big kudos to Cornell Armstrong for, for making the team because, and, and a bit of a pat on the back for us as well, because we did call it way back when, um, in fact, when he was drafted, we we said that we thought he would be a um, you know he has some moxie about him, a little bit of X factor. He doesn't you know he likes a tackle. He's he seems a smart kid. His coverage was pretty tight, and you know for a sixth round cornerback in a you know a team like the Dolphins, uh, and yeah, we're not blessed with huge talent beyond Xavier and Howard, but you know you had high level call it Tankersley, Tony Lippett played at Michigan State and had started in the NFL, and obviously Tony ended up getting cut. Tory McTyre was well liked. Bobby McCain is a you know one of the best nickel corners in the NFL, the best slot corners in the NFL. Now starting on the boundary, it was a competitive position for him to come in, and he won a starting sp- he won a um a roster spot based off his own ability, and I think that's hugely to be hugely applauded. And I think once again. 
know, the Dolphins keep getting a kick in the pants year after year after year for, for having bad, bad drafts. But the last three or four years, actually, when you look at it, what they've done is they've drafted well. They've drafted solid players, solid human beings, and guys who are still on the team. So, you know, I think that's to be applauded. And conversely, our condolences for Jalen uh, yeah. Davis not making it. We thought that he would or, yes. or that he could make it because he mm-hmm. was clearly the backup slot specialist as a corner behind, uh, you know, Bobby McCain or Minka Fitzpatrick, whichever of those two happens to be playing the slot. Um, and, you know, we can talk about this if we want to. I don't know who is going to play that slot if not one of those two guys, McCain or uh, or Tank or um, uh, Fitzpatrick. But uh, he did not make it. And I think this actually came down to it's not always about who's higher on the depth chart as it is. Who do you think sneaks past waivers and who doesn't? And, and um, he made the practice squad, didn't he? I mean, him along with he, did, yeah. he made Hillary. it through waivers. And through. I think part of that is he's physically not an imposing guy. He's um, he's smallish. He wasn't you know, he doesn't necessarily make up for it by having four three speed or anything like that. So you're you're making a strategic decision, and there was some sort of strategic, uh, you know, planning. I think with respect to Maurice Smith as well, but um, they did. They thought he would make it through waivers, and he did. And so I think probably the only guy that they were hoping might make it through waivers that did not was probably running back Buddy Howell mm. of FAU. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they they seem to sneak by waivers. Everybody that they wanted to, including um, Jonathan Woodard, the defensive end, who I didn't think could make it through waivers because he's so big and imposing and athletic. Uh, those kind of guys usually get snapped up. Um, but Jalen Davis really is strong, not that. It's a really strong practice squad, actually. When you yeah. look at it, it is. If you, you look, look at the, yeah. the list. Asiata, um, Connor Hilland, Leonte Carew, yeah. who's, you know, who's played in the NFL, Isaiah Ford, Jeremy Langford, who's um, numerous snaps in the NFL, Cam Malvo, who played well last year. We talked about the boy Wooded. Jamias Pittman might have been a bit of a surprise. You kind of weigh out whether it was him or going to be him or Anthony, uh, Anthony Moten. Quentin Poling made the practice squad and obviously Jalen as well. It's a decent, you know, as far as practice squads go, that's a, there's some decent names on there. And kudos Absolutely. to the front office for parlaying a great Jordan Lucas performance in the fourth meaningless preseason game into a draft pick. Yeah, absolutely. and of course, my boy Callum Balaj, superstar, oh <laughs> superstar. He destroyed the Atlanta Falcons, the fourth string Falcons. Yes, it, it was it was glorious. What a performance! Spectacular yeah. performance. No, well, we're going to break, and I know we've yes, been very break. break heavy. Okay, but we promise you, listeners, when we come back from break, we will preview Dolphins Titans next. But first, these words. Josh Darrow here, host of the Five Rings podcast, where it's always a cane sting on the Five Reasons Sports Network. What are we about? Pretty easy. I want to tell stories, and I want to share the journey for the players and coaches, past and present, affiliated with the University of Miami. Take Manny Diaz. He grew up in Miami. He grew up going to the Orange Bowl. It was, you know, it was all those 1980s teams. You know, that that's where it all started for me, and just just the style of play and. And really, it was it really took hold when Jimmy Johnson was here, and, you know, sitting there in the Orange Bowl in '86 when we we're whipping Oklahoma, and just you know what I mean, just just speed and then violence. You know what I mean? It, 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 you know, we're not only you know, you know, Nebraska it was a changing of college football. It's those kind of memories we want to share with you. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the support.
the Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a cane sting, and we're always a part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is O.J. McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. O.J., tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch because he's <laughs> chasing me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. And we're back. And as promised, Dolphins, Titans, this Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium, I've made my, my feelings known about this team. I think that they're going to be pretty good this year. I'm not talking Super Bowl good and not championship good, but entertaining and good. What say you, Simon? It's interesting because we had this discussion on WhatsApp a few days ago, and I I, I think Tennessee are a, a better side than you, you boys are giving them credit for, I've got to say. I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to – you know, you look at some of the names, even just the, the, the off-season acquisitions, Dion Lewis, Benny Logan – Kenny Vaccaro, you know, Malcolm Butler, kind of decent. You know, they didn't lose any stars, really. You know, Eric Decker, Carl Klug, Denoris Searcy, Avery Williamson, I suppose, was a decent starting linebacker. But, you know, I, yeah. But you know, they've got a new head coach. Mike Malarkey's gone. And, you know, if you're a Tennessee fan, that's got to be a good thing. Matt LaFleur comes in. You know, he was offensive coordinator. Coordinated, get that word out, under Sean McVay last year with the Rams. You know, Dean Pease has come in from Baltimore to run the defense. I mean, Dean Pease is one of the great NFL defensive coordinators. Um, and that's a significant co- coaching upgrade for, for the Titans. And, you know, I look at both sides of the ball and they've got they've got good players. Obviously, they're going to go as, as far as Marcus Mariota takes them. This is year three for Mariota now. I mean, you know, he's been more good than bad, I think. And there's you know, there were times when he flashed like he was going to develop into a franchise quarterback. He's had some injury issues, and but this season is going to be the, the time when you're when you're going to see him take the next step. You look at the running back position, Dion Lewis, Derek Henry, you know, out wide, Corey Davis. This is year which, four, by the way, for Marcus. This is year four, okay. Delaney Walker, you know, Delaney Walker is one of the most underrated players in the potentially in the NFL, you know. They've it's talked also up, one of the well, oldest. Yeah, absolutely, but he's still playing, you know, Tom Brady's one of the oldest as well, but he's still playing at a Fairly high level, you know. Corey Davis, yeah, of course. But you know, come on, Walker's a good player. Um, Corey Davis has had uh, that. He's been their star of you know spring and summer in terms of um, you know performers in in camp, and it'll be interesting to see how that that defense works. Will Rashawn Evans play? Harold Landry's played well in preseason and in camp, and then you've still got Wesley Woodard and Brian Arapko and Derek Morgan and Kevin Byard at free safety, the, the all-pro free safety who led the league in interceptions last year. That's really Yeah, absolutely. You've got Logan Ryan. You've got uh, the kid they drafted in the first round last year from USC, the cornerback whose name completely escapes me, but returns kicks as well and came on. Adore really Jackson. Strong. Yeah, Adore Jackson. You know, so I, I don't know. I think we under we under rate them at our peril especially when you look at the, the not only the upgrades they've made in personnel on the field but notably 
adding Matt LaFleur and Dean Pease. It'd be interesting to see how Mike Vrabel, is he a head coach really? Did he, you know, did he, if he'd have played for the, you know, Bengals or whatever, rather than coming through at the Patriots, would he potentially have got the chance he got? Was he a really great coach with the Texans or was he, you know, working for excellent defensive coaches? We shall find out fairly soon this season. But, you know, I don't, to me, this is not a banker win for the Dolphins. I think this is a decent side. Now, let me ask you this, Chris. Mm -hmm. The Titans gave up last year to tight ends. 76 catches, 853 yards, and five touchdowns. Is this the spot where Mike Gusecki gets his name known to the NFL fan? Well, it ought to be. They've been sitting on him all preseason long, and I think Gase is even sort of you know coyly given that away like obviously i'm not i'm not showing you a bit of what we have with him in the preseason and he's getting ready to to unleash him i think in, right away in this first game and that's a that's a good opponent to do it against those those some of those um you mentioned also uh but you didn't uh, you didn't bring it up just now but you mentioned before to us when we were talking about the running backs and how much they tended to give up and catches to the running backs and that's another key against this uh this 30 34 defense and the linebackers yeah, the titans the titans for uh for our listeners that don't know what we're talking about the titans last year gave up 6.2 catches to running backs last year yeah, that was and, good enough for the second worst mark in the nfl and wesley woodyard and uh wesley woodyard is not as fast anymore um if he ever was really that fast uh and will compton not exactly um you know burning anybody up so i wonder about those uh those linebackers in coverage I mean Rashawn Evans you can talk about how much we liked Rashawn Evans coming out of college but Rashawn Evans is a rookie and he hasn't played at all because no. he's been he's been injured so how much can you really expect out of him in this game Harold Landry I think we all liked him as a pass rusher he's um, out for the game he's out, he's out yeah. for the game he's not yeah. playing so uh, it's just going to be it's just going to be um, uh, Derek, Derek Morgan, Morgan and Brian Morgan's- Arakpo Morgan's out too. I've just read. Morgan. Oh, Morgan is Morgan is out now. Oh gosh. So yeah. uh, so they're already. I mean, they're hurting already. We're we see that um, the right tackle, uh, Jack Conklin, he practiced today, but um, but they're not sure whether he's going to play or not because this was very experimental, getting him into practice today to see how he handles it and see how how he reacts, how his body reacts the next day. So we'll find out. Uh, a little bit more about that later. Um, but if he's out, then they've got their backup right tackle going against Cameron Wake. Good luck with that. Um, I think that uh, the pass rush is is not there. The pass coverage, I don't like uh, Malcolm Butler. I think that um, you know this will be another opportunity for Jakeem Grant to moss him in the end zone like he did the last time he faced him. Uh, I don't think Malcolm Butler is a good acquisition for them. I don't think very highly of Logan Ryan either. That's um, harsh on Malcolm Butler, by the way. And, well, <laughs> that's life. Um, I don't think very highly of uh, Logan Ryan. I think that having Kenny Vaccaro take over one of the stars. They just signed him like a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. he's going to start. He's going to start next to Bayard. You're asking for trouble there. This is not a team that played well in the preseason, and I know the preseason is the preseason, but there are certain things about the preseason that you actually do pay attention to, like your pass coverage, your pass rush, and how well you execute in the passing game on the offensive side of the ball, as well as your special teams. Well, their special teams sucked in the preseason, and uh, their pass their pass rush sucked in the preseason, and their pass coverage was eh, you know, you know meh. 
And um, and on the offensive side of the ball, they weren't executing in the passing game. I know that from a fantasy perspective, we talk about this with fantasy guys, and we're like, nobody know nobody wants to draft any Titans because nobody knows who's going to step up uh, and be a good pass catcher for that team uh, on the wide receivers unit. And is it Rashard Matthews? Is it Corey Davis? Is it you know who is it? And and I think that could be because the answer is. You know, none of them. I think that you're right. Delaney Walker is a weapon. He is a strong player. He's also 34 years old. And so you have to worry about that. And here's what here's the thing that I really worry about. So they get Matt LaFleur, the offensive coordinator of the L.A. Rams. And the L.A. Rams were stupendous last year. Right. They, they had a great offense. So you think that that's a great that's a great fit. And that's a that's a great ad for them. Well, here's the problem, though. Matt LaFleur used 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end, and three receivers. He used it 81% of the time with the L.A. Rams last year. That was leading the league, okay? So they were they were foremost in the league in using three wide receivers and using uh, 11 personnel. The Titans were were one of the teams that used 11 personnel the, the littlest amount of time mm-hmm. in the league last year, only 44% of the time. And there was a reason for that. You know, Marcus Mariota, or the quarterbacks of the Tennessee Titans altogether, threw three touchdowns and 13 interceptions out of 11 personnel last year. They had a 57 quarterback rating. They were terrible out of 11 personnel last year. Hmm. Well, now in comes LaFleur, who comes from an offense that is 11 personnel, 81% of the time. That's, that's what they do. It's three wide receivers. This is, this is how they do it. Um, and already he's using it, you know, near 70% of the time in the preseason. Uh, and they're not using any two running back looks in the preseason so far. And it seems to be something that's coming out of the playbook altogether. They well, used that, you say they that. Used that's, that last that's not year. True. Ten- that's not true in the preseason. I mean, the Green Bay game was, they, they threw innumerable amount of screens, Week one, yeah, but preseason. only week two, only literally one play, literally week, one play. They use they two, use two then, running backs. Two, it was Dalen Dawkins and Brand and uh, and Nick Deluca. Week two was heavy run game, and then passes to the running backs out of the backfield. Yes, but they week used three was, tight end personnel. They didn't week, use two running back. They didn't week, use Nick Deluca. They had Nick Deluca as a fullback last year, and they used deep, actual lead back stuff last year. They didn't do that at was, all this preseason. Week three was deep passes and plenty of play action. Week four was balls to tight ends and receivers in the short and intermediate area. Scores meant nothing, obviously, as they they, they don't do in preseason. But for for Lafleur, speaking to one of the Titan beat writers earlier in the week on social media, he said to me it was all about trying to execute and figure out what the players could and couldn't do based off what they'd worked through in the spring and summer. Now they have film of what's worked and what doesn't. They can implement a game plan. And he, and he said to me, look, we as writers have no idea what's coming at the weekend. We have no idea what's coming. It could They could run 10 sp- screenplays or they could run no screenplays. It just depends on the flow of the game and where the coaching staff thinks that the Dolphins are weakest. And I just think that you know, I, if we go into this game thinking that we're going to be 81% of what we saw last year with the Rams, I think we're going to get bit on the arse. Um, you know, and you make very valid points as always. I just think there's, it's just a little bit more nuanced than that because well, I we think should... one thing that's being thrown out of the playbook altogether. And I really think, I really think they're full. So I don't even know. Do they have, do they have a fullback on the roster anymore? Do they have uh Jal- sure. Jalston Fowler anymore? 
Um, you know, because because I question whether they're going to be using that at all. I think it's all going to be uh, three wide receiver, eleven per, uh, you know, like twelve personnel, like Miami does. A lot like Miami's offense. Their projected really. uh, Miami's chart, offenses. Their projected no, depth chart has three running backs act for the game. Yeah, David yeah. and Derek Henry and Lewis. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm they're they're throwing that out of the playbook. And what I'm saying is, last year they were a nine and seven team last year, so they were pretty good, right? They had they had some good things going for them. And on offense, one of the things that they had going for them that worked out was they did use, you know, some some more of that um, 13 personnel and some more of that 21 personnel and uh, and things like that. And, you know, the quarterbacks had 114 passer rating out of 21 personnel last year. Just quickly explain uh, and, to the and listeners. And that's being tossed out of the playbook. Explain quickly to the listeners who don't uh, who aren't as ingrained in football culture as uh, as some what the difference is between 11, 12, 21 sure. personnel in terms of just so people sure. know first, exactly what we're talking about. The first digit stands for how many running backs are on the field. That includes fullbacks. Uh, and the second digit stands for how many tight ends are on the field. So when I say 21 personnel, I mean two running backs and one tight end, which is a more classic, if you think back to the 90s uh, offense, uh, there will be two wide receivers on the field and uh, two running backs, one of them probably being a fullback. And uh, and then a tight end. So they used that um, over 80 times last year. The quarterbacks had a 114 passer rating out of it. Um, they used the 12 personnel, which is one running back and two tight ends, a, f- a very healthy amount of time last year as well. And again, uh, 108 passer rating from their quarterbacks out of out of that personnel. But in steps an offensive coordinator whose history and experience with L.A suggests that he's going to go with a lot of 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, which is what we've been dealing with in Miami under Adam Gase for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite as much as L.A. did, but uh, but very, very often. And I'm just saying their quarterbacks last year were terrible out of that personnel group. They were 57 quarterback or 57 passer rating, three touchdowns, 13 interceptions, uh, not a very high success rate. So if Matt LaFleur tries to push that, you could get, I mean, it, it, may, it may look ugly. And I think that, um, you know, it, the head coach, uh, Mike Vrabel, he's, he's new. I mean, we were swearing. We're like, wasn't he just playing a couple of years ago? Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I don't know that he's going to, you know, kind of dial everybody back and say, listen, let's, you know, be the strong voice and say, Let's go with what we've established and what we were good at. I don't like coaching changes when you're taking over like a nine and seven team, um, because usually when you're taking over a new coach is taking over a team, you get a win worth of bump the next year, right? Yeah. Uh, at least a win worth of bump the next year. But you're usually taking over a bad team, and so there's re- some reversion back upward. You take over a nine and seven team with a new coach. I don't think you get a win bump up. I don't think. I think you go. I think you go down. I think there's more destruction before there is building up. And um, and so overall, I look at the I look at the the schedule that Miami has. Let's take a side, Simon. You you've been high on the Dolphins. Alf, you've been high on the Dolphins. I've been very high on the Dolphins. Let's take aside all of our BS and all of our narratives and go with the national, the national uh, narrative, which is that the Dolphins are going to win six or seven games. Well, you have to look at the schedule of sixteen games and rank them up by easiest to hardest and say which of those six or seven games are going to be wins. You know, that's the thing about predicting six or seven games. You have to win six or seven games. So uh, so I look at this, and I'm ranking them, 
And where do you think this home game against the Tennessee Titans in week one with a bunch of guys coming back for the first time that haven't played all preseason, like Brian Arakpo and, you know, some other and Delaney Walker and uh, Richard Matthews and other guys, you know, where do you rank this one as far from easiest to hardest? Because for me, it's, you know, at least in the top three. And so I think well, that yeah, this is a win for Miami. Easiest. Yeah, yeah I would say so. I would say so. And let's talk about the the elephant in the room, Marcus Mariota. He was really good in 2016. After I saw him play in 2016, I was ready to say that he was going to be the next, you know, star young quarterback in the NFL. I wouldn't say elite because it, people that know me on Twitter and have mm-hmm. heard me on this on this podcast, I only consider like three quarterbacks elite, and then I consider another handful as extremely good, and then the rest are just in a big old bushel of competent quarterbacks and incompetent quarterbacks. I was ready to put him in that little group of very, very, very good, but 2017 came. He was terrible last year. Yeah, but don't forget, he had a, he had a pr- pretty, bad, pretty bad thigh injury hamstring injury that really limited him he wasn't able to you know at times he was barely able to drop back let alone you know manipulate the pocket which he's you know was known for Oregon and his early time with the Titans I don't think you can necessarily judge what we're going to see on Sunday with what happened last year given the restrictions that the injury caused to his game you know I know he only missed one game ironically against us but I don't think that you can necessarily say that you know the Marcus Mariota we saw last year is you know the same Marcus Mariota that will be out this season as long as he's healthy. I, 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 the correlation is too because of the injury. I just don't think you can do that. What do you make of it, Chris? Well, I think that well, first off, you're right. In 2016, he definitely had a better year. But for the record, his lowest passer rating still came out of 11 personnel with three wide receivers on the field. He's not a three wide receiver kind of guy. I think. Um, I think he's not the kind of guy that will against an NFL defense can have all those wide receivers out there and spread you out. It's not like college um, where, where he played at Oregon. Uh, I don't think he's that kind of guy. So he had his lowest passer rating that year um, out of that formation or that personnel grouping. And I, I get worried that they're going to push it. They're going to force it this year because of who they got as the offensive coordinator. That's, that's my main takeaway about Mariota. You're right. He was not good last year. But I think you, you can explain some of that with the injury, sure. Um, how much? I, I don't know. I, I just think that they're probably ruining a little bit of what they already had going for them, I think, uh, on offense. And then on defense, I I just don't like the secondary in that unit or the line. But I don't like the coverage unit at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think Dean Pease can just manufacture it. By the way, you just said it was the third easiest game, right? That we would have all season, is that right? Uh, one of the top three, somewhere. Okay, right we play the Jets twice, the Bills, oh, yeah. twice, the Raiders, the Bengals, the Colts. I mean, well, I think this is up there with the Raiders and Bengals easily. I think yeah. we're. In, I think you're in for that, that Raiders. The Raiders are a hot mess. Yes, yeah. and, they and, are and especially mess. with their with their coach and that off season that they've had. I mean, look. The Jets are starting a rookie quarterback. That's two games we play against them. I mean, the, the Bills are so bad that they're having to start Nathan Peterman because Josh Allen is flattered yeah. to deceive and that offensive line is so atrocious. The Raiders, yeah. um, I, don't, I, know, I mean, nobody knows what's going on there. I mean, yeah. they just traded for A.J. McCarron, who, who was going to be the third-string quarterback at the Bills. I, yeah. I mean, astonishing. The Bengals, pff, whatever. I mean, look. <laughs> the, 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 they could be all right, couldn't they? Who? The Bengals. 
Could they? I like their defense. I, I like their defense. Yeah. I like their defense. I think Joe Mixon's going to be a little bit better. AJ Green is still alive. And, the Lions. And contrary, the Lions? I also do like the Lions. I like Matthew I, Stafford. No, the Lions could be all right, too. I like Matthew Stafford, but... Uh, I'd take the Tennessee Titans over the Detroit Lions on a Well, they field. you know what the Lions did though? They kept they kept on their offensive coordinator, right? Yeah. Uh, isn't isn't it still Jim Bob Cooter? It is still Jim Bob uh, Cooter. What a great name. Um Absolutely. but yeah, he's still he's still there and they had established a really good offense under him last year and we have every reason to think that that's going to keep going that that's that's sort of where I'm going with this Tennessee thing. And the other thing about Tennessee is this is at home and I I don't think you can overstate this. Because Miami at home under Adam Gase scores 25 points a game. That'd be a top 10 offense in the NFL. Yeah. Okay, They score 25 points a game. They played 15 games at home in Adam Gase's tenure with Miami. And nine of those, or you know, eight and a half of those, whatever, however you want to consider that Arizona game where uh, Tannehill went out in the middle of it, eight and a half of those games were played with Matt Moore at quarterback, with Jay Cutler at quarterback, with uh, or even David Fales. At quarterback, he played for a home game against the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, he's played with a lot of crap at quarterback and still scored 25 points. In fact, he scored about 22 points a game with that crap. And then he scored about tw- over 28 points a game with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback at home in the six, six, six and a half home games that he played with Tannehill. Uh, in those six and a half games or whatever, uh, whatever you want to say, they won, uh, they only lost one time. They've only lost one time at home with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback under Adam Gase. It's just one. And uh, coincidentally, it was to the Tennessee Titans. But um, but still, like, you know, this is this is a good home offense. Adam Gase clearly calls the game a little bit differently at home, a little bit more aggressively uh, at home, and it pays off for, for them. And they score like 28 points a game with Tannehill at home. So this is a big deal, the fact that it's at home. You're talking about Cincinnati game. Well, yeah, that's in Cincinnati, though. Uh, you're, the Jets game, and the I don't expect the Jets or the Bills to be very good, but two of those games are, are going to be up there in New York and in Buffalo, and that's division that that's division work. You know where <laughs> things always happen in division work. All right, boys, enough of the Titans preview. Uh, we know where we will stand. Let's have a quick, before we, before we wrap up and finish here, let's have a quick look at some predictions for the rest of this season. What do you think the Dolphins' record will be come the end of December after the game against the Bills on the 30th of December? What record will we be looking at? Will we be in the playoffs? Will Adam Gay still be head coach of the Miami Dolphins? Will Ryan Tannehill be still be the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins heading into the preseason? Where do you think we stand on all of those questions, Christopher? I'm going to go with a solid nine and seven. I think that the way they performed in the preseason in the passing game, as well as defending the pass, you know, it points toward a, a certain level of, um, of production. I think, you know, you can go back and do some predictive analytics on this as I have. Um, I think that, I think they're a good team. There might not be one of the best teams in the NFL, so I'm going to go with nine and seven. I think they will be eight and six with two games to go, needing to win both games to make the playoffs. They'll win a close one against the Jaguars, and they will beat a tanking Bills team to go ten and six and make the playoffs, and probably travel to San Diego for the first round. I'm with you, actually. I'm going ten and six and a playoff spot I, I i think they're good enough to make the playoffs i think this team will will surprise people and i think uh, as long as we stay healthy at critical positions notably under center 
I think that um, I think ten and six is not beyond the realms of possibility, and I think uh, getting into the playoffs is uh, is absolutely attainable in a really really weak AFC, genuinely weak AFC. I think you can pick five or six teams in the AFC that you could potentially say would win it all: Philadelphia, Atlanta, Green Bay, Minnesota, the Rams. It's hard to look past pretty much past the Patriots, maybe the Texans if Deshaun Watson's okay, maybe the Jaguars if Blake Bortles grows a pair of balls. Um, beyond that. It's, it's difficult to see a team coming out of the AFC. So I think it's up for grabs. Right. Let's bring it to, to the this game, though, because we predicted the season. We've previewed the Titans game. We've sort of weighed in. Like, what, what do you think is actually going to happen this weekend? Because I think I'll put myself out there on this one and say that I think that this could be a blowout win, you know, I think wow. for the Miami Dolphins. I think that this could be a very strong, you know, sort of 27 – 27-9 outing or something like that. I think wow. that they will have a 24-10 to 10 lead on the Tennessee Titans going into the fourth quarter, and it'll be 24-17, and they'll make it really interesting and scare us a little bit. But mm-hmm. the Dolphins will hold on, 24-17. I think we'll win 16-13 in a low scorer, um, and we will struggle to contain, A, the running game up the gut, and B, Dion Lewis out of the backfield. So there you go. That's kind of how we see it. So we shall find out when we come back next week. We will review what hopefully will be the Dolphins' first win of the season. We shall look ahead to game two. Which Remember, we will be on next Tuesday. We will. And we'll look ahead to the Jets-Dolphins on the road in uh, in New Jersey, uh, which should be a second win of this what could be a beautiful season for the Miami Dolphins. Have a good week. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the game. We shall be on social media, I'm sure, uh, across the weekend. And uh, when we speak next, our Miami Dolphins, let's hope they are 1-0. and Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.